Okay, Boomer. Catch me outside. How about that? Bye, Felicia. Stay calm, Netflix, and chill. Take a chill pill, brah. <sighs> Why you gotta be so extra? Uh, duh. Rude. Aw, shucks. O-M-G. <gasps> have any of y'all heard of these catchphrases? I'm pretty sure most of us have. But now the question is, who are these generations and how did the generations emerge? How did this genealogy of generations come to be and named? Remember y'all, all information was gathered from various sources for educational purposes. I'm Joyce Grace, and this is Shots of Endorphins. Generation after generation has created their own slang terms that keep evolving each year, which also evolved on how they see each other as well. And not all of it is in good light. But looking at history, the young and old have rarely respected each other. Socrates vetched about kids' disrespect for elders, as did the Old Testament. You wouldn't have to command children to honor thy father and thy mother if it came naturally. However, nowadays, a shocking new tactic has been deployed in the timeless war between generations. As baby boomers challenged millennials' addiction to avocado toast or scoffed at Gen Z's worries on the staggering college debt, most youths have dismissed them with a casual retort, okay boomer. But the beauty of each era is that every generation gets to expand their intellect onto the next generation. Therefore, it shouldn't be a surprise when millennials and Generation Z have started to monopolize the business industries by posting content over the internet using conference presentations, research papers, and eventually sales and marketing strategies. At least one popular article that spread all over the internet in over a day was Generation to Refuse to Grow Up. No mortgage, no marriage, no children, no career plan. And I gotta say, it does sound like a pretty neat article. Now, although a little less than a third of the population is under 25, a majority of the youth remains a big consumer base for social media platforms, streaming services, computer games, music, fashion, smartphones, apps, and all kinds of other goods that trend on every viral TikTok or YouTube video your screen pops up with. And it still keeps businesses booming. But like so many 30-something-year-olds, the discovery that you can make money marketing merchandises to teenagers dates from the early 1940s, which is also when the term youth culture first appeared in print. And there was a reason that those things happened when they did. It started with a horrific thing called high school. So back in 1910, most young people worked, only about 14% of 14 to 17 year olds were still in high school. And by 1940, that proportion was raised up to 73%. Nevertheless, a social space had opened up between dependency and adulthood, and a new demographic was born called youth. The rate of high school attendance kept growing and by 1955, 84% of high school-age Americans were in school. Then, between 1956 and 1969, college enrollment in the United States more than doubled, and youth grew from a four-year demographic to an eight-year one. 
By 1969, it made sense that everyone was talking about the styles and values and taste of young people because, well, almost half the population was under 25. But how did the names of each generation come to be? Well, the term is borrowed from human reproductive biology. In a kinship structure, parents and their siblings would constitute the older generation. Meanwhile, offsprings and their cousins were deemed the younger generation. The time it takes in our species for the younger generation to become the older generation is traditionally said to be around 30 years. At least, that is how the time sequence and term is used in the Hebrew Bible. Herodotus, an ancient Greek writer, geographer, and historian, explained that a century could be thought of as the equivalent of three generations. Around 1800, the term got transplanted from the family to society. The new idea was that people born within a given period, usually 30 years, belong to a single generation. But in reality, there really isn't any sound basis in biology or anything else for this claim. But it gave European scientists and intellectuals a way to make a sense of something they were obsessed with upon social and cultural change. What causes change? Can we predict it? Can we prevent it? Maybe the reason societies change is that people change every 30 years. Yet, the 19th century generational theory took two forms. For some thinkers, generational change was the cause of social and historical change. New generations bring the world new ways of thinking and doing, and weed out beliefs and practices that have grown obsolete. This has kept society rejuvenated. Other writers thought that generations were different from one another because their members carried the imprint of the historical events they lived through. But in the end, the reason we have generations is that we all change as time goes by. Today, the time span of a generational cohort is usually taken to be around 15 years, even though the median age of first-time mothers in the U.S. is now 26 and of first-time fathers 31. People born within that period are supposed to carry a basket of characteristics that differentiates them from people born earlier or later. But this theory still shows a bit of a flaw. For one thing, there is no empirical basis for claiming that differences within a generation are smaller than differences between generations. I mean, do you have less in common with your parents than with people you have never met? who happen to have been born a few years before or after you? The theory also seems to require that a person born in 1965, the first generation of Generation X, must have different values, tastes, and life experience from a person born in 1964. The last year of the baby boom generation, which is shown to be dated between 1946 and 1964, that someone born in the last birth year of Generation X, which is 1980, has more in common with someone born in 1965 or 1970 than with someone born in 1981 or 1990. Crazy, huh? Everyone realizes that precision dating of this kind is silly. But although we know that chronological boundaries can blur a bit, we still imagine generational differences to be bright line distinctions. People talk as though there was a unique DNA for Gen X. What in the 19th century was called a generational intellecti, 
Even though the differences between a baby boomer and a Gen Xer is about as meaningful as your zodiac sign, which is not, seriously. You could say the same things about decades, of course. A year is like a biological generation, calculated by the time it takes the Earth to orbit the Sun. But there is nothing in nature that corresponds to a decade, or a century, or a millennium. Those are terms of convenience, determined by the fact that we have 10 fingers. Decade thinking is deeply embedded within our brains. For most of us, she's a 70s person, carries a lot more specific information than she's Gen X. By this light, generations are just a novel way of slicing up the space-time continuum, no more arbitrary, and possibly a little less than a decade and centuries. But now the real question is, are naming generations a helpful way to understand anything? I gotta be honest, and I'm not quite sure they are. However, since I've gone this far in talking about the topic, I might as well explain to you each generation while I'm at it. You should know me by now. I'm an all or nothing type of gal. The Greatest Generation Born between 1901 and 1924, they are those who experienced the Great Depression and World War II in their adulthood, all leading to strong models of teamwork to overcome and progress. They are our great-grandfathers growing up without modern conveniences like refrigerators, electricities, and air conditioning. They are the generation that remembers life without airplanes, radio, and TV. The Silent Generation, also known as Builders or Naturists, born in between 1924 to 1945, coming of age during the post-war happiness, born of the jazz, swing, Frank Sinatra, Gone with the Wind, and Mickey Mouse generation. And we're talking about pre-feminism, staying at home moms, and men pledging their loyalty to a lifetime job. The children who grew up during this time worked very hard and kept quiet. It was commonly understood that children should be seen and not heard. Baby Boomers On this one, no one says it better than the Telegraph. Those born in the years after World War II, when there was, thanks to the soldiers returning home, a significant spike in births, both in America and in Britain, these are the men and women who tuned in, got high, dropped out, dodged the draft, swung in the 60s, and became hippies in the 70s, idealistic and uncynical. This was the generation that fought the Cold War and smashed down the Berlin Wall. The generation can be segmented into two. The leading edge baby boomers are individuals born between 1946 and 1955. Those who, for the US, came of age during the Vietnam War era. The other half of the generation was born between 1956 and 1964 and is called late boomers or trailing edge. Generation X born between 1965 and 1980. They are the latchkey kids who grew up street smart but isolated, often with divorced or career-driven parents. Sloan Rangers and yuppies are seen as the renaissance of entrepreneurship. 
Most remember being in high school without computers and then after the introduction of computers in middle school or high school, more interested in philosophizing than settling with a long-term career and family. They tend to commit to self and average seven career changes in their lifetime. Unlike earlier generations, society and thus individuals are envisioned as disposable, late to marry after cohabition, and quick to divorce many single parents. Gen Xers are often called the MTV generation. They experienced the emergence of music videos, new wave music, electronic, glam rock, heavy metal, punk, grunge, and hip-hop. It is the Nirvana, U2, Madonna, Torn Jeans, Friends, Beverly Hills, 90210, and PC generation. They are into labels and brand names. They want what they want and want it now, but struggle to buy, and most are deeply in bank and credit credit card debt. With high levels of skepticism, what's in it for me defines them as consumers, referred to as digital immigrants, Generation Y, or Millennials. There are no precise dates when the generation starts or ends. Researchers and commentators use birth years ranging from the early 1980s to the early 2000s, known as sophisticated technology-wise, immune to most traditional marketing and sales pitches. They've seen it all and been exposed to it all since early childhood. American sociologist Kathleen Chaputis labeled millennials as the Peter Pan generation because of their perceived tendencies to delay some steps into adulthood, like housing, career, and marriage, for longer periods than most generations before them. These labels were also a reference to a trend towards members living with their parents for longer periods of time. Generation Z. It is a generation born after 1995, and they have never known a world without computers and cell phones. Their age now spans from preschoolers to teenagers, and they are digital integrators, having integrated technology seamlessly into their lives and having used it from the youngest age. It is almost like the air that they breathe, permeating almost all areas of their lifestyle and relationships. They are savvy consumers and they know what they want and how to get it, and they are oversaturated with brands. But what comes after Generation Z? Well, starting with the launch of the iPad in 2010, many have jumped to call it the beginning of Generation Alpha. There is still time for them to develop and form personality traits for researchers to label. So for now, let's just be on standby while we watch over the kiddos and how they end up growing up. Hopefully, we don't mess up too bad. Man, I tell ya, we continue to learn from each other every day. Studying the evolution of each generation that has passed, I couldn't help but think how each era has evolved over the years. Whether it be slang, societal positions, or even technology itself, each year keeps evolving like togepi to a togekiss. Lame, I know, shut it. But. I have no doubt in my mind that we keep living and growing to prosper for better, or maybe for worse in some cases, for our future generations. Anyway, think smart, do your research, and keep it 100 fam.
episode on Shots of Endorphins was produced by me, Joyce Grace, and a shout out to my research team. Shots of Endorphins has its very own website, so you can visit and listen to the podcast at shotsofendorphins.com. You can help support us by clicking on the support tab as well. Also, you can follow the show on Facebook and Instagram by searching up Shots of Endorphins or subscribing to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other streaming services you're listening to. And when you do, don't forget to shoot me a greeting. It's nice to meet new people. As always, thanks for listening. And don't forget to smile.